This is The Janet Lewis Show. Um, Welcome to episode 31. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking with Jim Carter III, who is the CEO of Carter and Custard, which is a purpose-driven growth agency that helps make entrepreneurs fearless so they can have a bigger impact. And Jim is definitely what I would call a serial entrepreneur. (laughs) And he is also a self-professed startup junkie, which would explain why he has founded or co-founded more than nine businesses over the last two decades. And Jim is passionate about programming, coding, AI, and he specializes in IT, uh, security, scale, SEO, and growth. Basically, anything technology related, but he is also super passionate about helping other people, which is one of the reasons why I really enjoy chatting with him all the time. So we're going to explore Jim's journey. We're going to talk about how he got to where he is today and where he started. Uh, We're going to talk about um, challenges he's encountered, what gives him energy to keep moving forward, and why he's addicted to startups because I love them too. (laughs) So I know it's an addiction. Um, And we'll also get into the joys and woes of like running your own business as well. So Jim, thank you for joining me today. Uh, Thank you so much for having me, Janet. I'm grateful to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. So um, just to give the viewers a little bit, um, I originally met you in 2018 at the Summit of Greatness with Lewis Howes. And I actually, that was my first time going and I was attending solo, which anyone knows when you go to a big event like that solo, it can be a little bit nerve wracking, but thankfully I met you and your lovely wife, Valerie. On the That's very right. First I brought night. her along. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah. On the very first night and you guys made it so much more enjoyable for me. And it was so great to be able to hang out with you both that weekend and get to know you better, especially because you had also been doing work with Lewis. So, you know, you gave me a little bit of insider information and tips on the summit and what's going on with Lewis, which was fun. Um, But over the years, we've stayed connected. We've also seen each other at the Summit of Greatness every year when we could go. And one of the things that um, I really like about you is that you're always up to something. You know, every time I talk to you, you're up to something and not just one thing, like you have so many things that are going on. You're juggling a lot and it's always impressive how you can juggle so much and like have the energy to do that first of all, but not let any of the balls drop. Right. And, um, you know, you always have such a positive attitude. Like every time I talk to you, you're always smiling you know, nothing is ever a big deal. And so I enjoy calling you and, and and catching up with you to see what you're up to. And I can't wait to hear about your journey because I don't know a lot about it. Yeah, thank so, you. That's you a know, wonderful intro. No, I'm, I'm kind of like, <laughs> where do we start? This is great. I'm, I'm, I'm fired up. <laughs> you're like, what's going on? Um, so let's start with uh, like where you grew up what you were passionate about as like a young boy and how you ended up kind of getting into this computer technology space. And I'm sure like we're going to get into so many things along the way because you've had so much experience working on some amazing um, projects and for some amazing businesses. So let's start at the beginning. Let's see where we end up. Beginning is a great place to start. Well, uh, I was born in 1981. I'm now, I'm just kidding. That's a little too far in the beginning. Um, I, I grew up in a in a fairly small town, uh, West Covina in California, here in the States. 
and a uh, very loving family, um, only child and only child by design. My, my father actually got cancer when I oh. was, uh, when I was a year old. So that diagnosis, unfortunately decided for my parents, that they were only going to have one child and, uh, miraculously my dad made it through. And that really is a big part of my story. Um, I don't mean to immediately bring it as a downer, but for me, it's it's the biggest upper that I ever could have asked for because I very easily could have never known my father. And the simple fact that he was afforded a you know life's golden ticket and got a second chance, that really gave me the opportunity to get to know him, to spend more time with him. And we he he's a big advocate of the Boy Scouts of America program. Globally, it's you know the, the scouting program, if you will. But uh, I think you do this, but I'm an Eagle Scout. Um, so the highest rank you can make in the in at least the Boy Scouts of America. And uh, for anybody watching, that's why I have an Eagle on my arm. That's that's the one tattoo I have. But it's 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 important to me because right hand over your heart, I've got the Eagle close to my chest. And for me, it wasn't just going through the program, but I I, I did it for my dad because it meant so much to him. But it also was my way to be able to spend time with him and to learn from him because he was my hero. I unfortunately lost him in 2009. Cancer came back and took him. But had I not had that opportunity and had he not been so passionate about trying to beat it and caring and doing whatever he could and could afford and everything in between, that was really a big piece of like an early life lesson that I picked up on, which is... The things that matter the most to you, you have to lean into. You have to try. And I remember talking with him when, when I was, I'll never forget the day I was walking with him when I turned 23. And we were walking in the park. And that one day, like he just broke down in tears. I was like, Dad, what's up? He was like, Well, when I was when I was 22 is when I got my 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 cancer diagnosis. And when he 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 told himself, he said, if I can just see this through so my son can make it longer than I can, then I've 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 won. I've I've achieved. And like that was the day. Like that was the day that he was just like, Man, I did it. It was worth it. You know, he 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 could persist. He he could he could have the fortitude to see it through no matter what the outcome was. And I think of that day a lot. And I th one of the things you said about like, yeah, I've always got something going on. I've, I've, yeah. I've got a side project. I've got a passion. I've got this going. And it's because life really is too damn short. Can I, can I cuss on the show? I don't yes. know if I can cuss. Yeah, I can? you're okay. Oh, yeah. You're okay. Yeah, great. <laughs> life really is too short. So if you're not spending those, those years that matter the most to you, trying things and failing and learning from them and, and, and trying again, then what are you doing? You, you, you honestly are just throwing away the single biggest gift that you already have, which is the gift of living. And the, the scouting program taught me a lot, but what it really taught me was the importance of service. And I, I always came back to service in everything I did professionally. And I, I'm no saint. Like I got away from it for a long time when my wife and I, Valerie, when we got married, we, we had kids fairly early. My oldest daughter now is uh, just turned 12. God help me. Um, <laughs> But, you know, for a period of time, it was survival. It was like, okay, I got to pay the mortgage. I got to make sure I don't screw these kids up. I got to just make sure that we have money in our account. Listen, um, you're going into another era of survival, but it's a bit I'm different. very aware. <laughs> they, they're now wearing bras and all kinds of stuff. And I'm just like, okay, I am a proud girl dad, but holy shit, this is what I just step away. But my point with all of that and that whole story is 
it's it's a reminder of how much my dad gave for me and now i'm fine and, and he gave it in a way where he could give what he had and that was to be a mentor to me to to bring me into the outdoors where he was comfortable and he felt he could be himself and he could give me his all passion and everything really is in technology and that's where I thrive and I know that's where I can help more people so I love teaching my kids the same I love showing them those things they they ask questions about business and and I'm like um, let me show you how to run a PL. let me do like all these things and but but I, I just talked to him today about how I'm going to show and start using AI. And they're like, what the hell are you talking about, dad? And I'm like, it, you're going to use this for the rest of your life. I want you to have that advantage that other kids don't have yet because I can give that to you. And that that's really the story from the highest level is my parents are wonderful. Um, my mom is still alive. I love her. She's a best friend. And had they not given everything that they had and had they not just shown up unapologetic for who they were, and poured into me and showed me what love looked like, I wouldn't have it to give. So the fact that I received that and I'm able to do that for my daughters, the best way that I know how is to pour into other entrepreneurs and to help and to do things because I'm not this massively successful human who just has all these wins and you know $4 billion in net worth. There's nothing like that. I live a comfortable life. We love what we have. We make investments. We're, we're, we're comfortable, but we thrive on trying. And I love doing it when it comes to entrepreneurship and tech. And that's really where my professional life has taken me. Startup after side gig and everything in between. And here we are. And now I'm, I'm talking about AI. I love staying connected with close friends like you and finding ways to keep showing up. But being the example for my daughters is what gets me out of bed in the morning and helps me sleep really well at night. Yeah. I love your story. Um, like your story about your dad at the beginning, like gave me goosebumps and then you kind of made me want to cry. <laughs> I'm like, you've got all the arcs in the story. It's going on. <laughs> I've learned from some pretty good people over the years. <laughs> Storytelling, but yeah, it's the, the best stories are the, the, the truest ones, you know, and they're the yeah. ones that mean the most to you. But that's exactly it is like being authentic and coming across at what you're passionate about, why you're passionate and kind of like staying true to it. So in your journey, we're not following the script, but in your journey, the script that I have laid out, by the way, but um, in your journey, um, do you ever feel like you ventured down a path for the wrong reasons? Because I know I have. So for example, um, one of the lessons I've learned is never to chase money. So I do really believe like, you have to love what you do. If you love what you do, you're going to be great at it. And if you're great at it, you'll always make money. That's just my belief system. But there were times in my career where I did chase the money. And when I chased the money, it was not good for me. Like I wasn't taking care of other areas of my life. And in the long run, you know, money isn't everything. Like we need money, yes, to survive and to live and to have a good life. But when we're young, we're almost chasing this impossible dream. Yep. I'm right there with you. Uh, I paused because I really felt that like what you shared. Uh, and when you were asking the question, that was going to be my answer is yes, for a period of time, I did chase the money and I was I was relentless about it. And I didn't I didn't think about it any other way. That's why when I said just a minute ago, how 
I'm no saint. I, you know, I service is a big piece of my life, but I, I, I lost that for a big period of my life too, for probably about eight years. Uh, and it was because I was just trying to make as much money as I could. What I, what I found that worked for me, Janet, was when I flipped the script and I use money as a motivator, I don't have to chase it. Mm. It, it, can, it just motivates me to want to work harder, yeah. but not, not that hustle and grind kind of work hard, like doing it from a place that I believe I can create as much money as I want in this world, mm-hmm. but where I've got limiting beliefs and where I have blocks and where I still think I've got some damn imposter syndrome or whatever else, I just don't show up. So here's a, here's a real example of that. When uh, I, I just mentioned, we were kind of chatting before we, we jumped on here for the recording. I recently had a lot of changes to my businesses too. When we booked the show to, to record, I, I had a different bio. I had a different, uh, what I was showing up doing. And then I think I threw you off when you were like, okay, you know, here we go. And I'm like, oh, wait, 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 wait. There, I, I need to make sure you know about the latest happening in my life. And it's because life comes at you fast and it changes yeah. quickly. And I recently downsized a huge business that I was running because it just, the, the economics of it changed. And I, I knew what I wanted to get to for over the past year. I really did in my heart. I, probably mid last year, I knew I wanted to go all in on AI and talking about tech, but I didn't give myself the space to do it because I yeah. had other commitments. Right? But now that I've made this change and I've, I've relieved that burden, it's, it wasn't a burden. The, the, the business wasn't a burden. I loved my team and, and everything. I, I made some big shifts. But what I did is I freed up my calendar and I freed up my mental space to now want to actually go do it. And could I use more money? Of course. Did I, did I really fundamentally let go, let go of so many contracts, all this great money that was coming into my world? And a part of me still sits in a little bit of fear. Like, Oh, damn, I got I, I to gotta get creative again. I got to do it again. But then I flip it and I say, no, I, I, I get to do it again, but I get to do it in a way that motivates me. So I like having my back against the wall because it makes me more resilient and it gets me more creative and it gets me back in tap with that service component, which is how can I help people with what they're looking for and how can I charge accordingly? And if I keep it that simple, I don't have to question myself on it. And it's no longer about, I'm chasing the biggest paycheck that I can get. I just know that it's going to come in whatever form is meant to be. And the more that I show up and I unblock myself from getting there, the faster it's going to come into my life. And I am living proof of that over the last couple of weeks. These were the first few weeks since I made all of those shifts. And I have made more sales. I have connected with more people. I have seen more good things come into my life because I'm just talking about the things that matter the most to me. Will it take a little longer? Probably. But am I going to have more fun doing it? You're damn right I will. Yeah. And, and that, that, that's what I, that was my very real, tangible example in this year, right now, something that I face doing. But I'm never getting back to that point where I'm just like, I'm going to do everything I can to make money because that's exhausting. It is it's exhausting. It's not worth it. It's just not worth it at the end of the day. It's not worth it, especially when you look at the return on investment, you know, um, when you think about the time, energy, effort that you put in things that you miss out on, you know, I remember early when I was starting orange fish, like one of my, um, friends was getting married in Philadelphia, but for the business, we were launching like a special program that weekend. And I spent most of my weekend in the hotel room on my laptop 
troubleshooting, mm-hmm. managing what was going on, blah, right. blah, blah. Like instead of like being present and actually being able to enjoy the event. Whereas now at this stage of my career, I have given myself the freedom to know that I need this time so I can be creative and I need to eliminate noise. And I'm also not into like running around and doing everything just because everybody else is telling me I should be doing it. (laughs) Absolutely. It's so, it's so true. Um, now I, I am also an advocate of trying things to find if mm-hmm. you like them. Right. Yeah. But there's an abundance of things to try. So it's like, well, if you give yourself that grace and back up for a minute, do you want to get into crafting? Do you want to get into, you know, like, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, is fine. But giving yourself the space to say, you're never going to do it all. So why not focus on the things that give you more, that, that, that fill you up more? And I'm right there with you. I had a very minimal amount of things on my calendar today because I wanted to be present for our phone call and and be able to record this. Just a couple of weeks ago, if I was going to do a podcast, it was going to be stuck between a break here and then a team meeting here and then check-ins here. And I I couldn't, I I showed up differently. I I feel like I finally can show up more. You're making space for more to come into your life. No surprise. It does. Yeah. You're, you're You're leaving room for the magic in between. Yeah, especially um, like some people might not realize this, but working in technology, technology, people are actually very creative, like creative to come up with different types of solutions, troubleshooting. And if you're not allowing yourself that headspace, it could actually take you longer to come up with a great solution. Do you find that? I do. And and I believe as a technologist, uh, that's a word that I heard once and I started using it because rather than, like you said, technology people, like you're not wrong, but it's <laughs> weird when I reference myself as a technology person. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. So uh, I heard a creative technologist once and I've used that ever since. So that's that actually perfect. I love it. perfectly on brand for this conversation. Yeah. And what I what I found is that I actually get a lot of joy out of out of being on Instagram and seeing what people are doing and getting creative, out of being in Slack groups and seeing what other what other tech guys and gals are coming up with out of reading news. Like I still read articles. Like I'm one of those archaic dinosaurs that I get a lot of joy out of that, but no big surprise. There's a lot of us that do. And, and that inspires me to want to create more. Here's an example of how creative I just was yesterday. Now that I'm doing so much with AI, um, actually, let me zoom out for a minute. So one of my businesses, uh, Fast Foundations, it's a it's an events company and we throw a mastermind and it's great and we we do events and things like that. And we threw our first virtual event and our our dear friend Lewis Howes, I, I called him up and he joined and he talked about personal branding. He keynoted it for me. And I had other really great people with personal brands on, and we all just spent like three and a half hours and we talked about personal brand. It was a lot of fun. Had a ton of people register. And I wanted to think of a way to keep engaging with people after that event. Because of course, some people are wonderful candidates for the mastermind. Like, no surprise, I'm a marketer. I like to talk about the things that I do and I sell them when they make sense, right? So lifting the curtain, this is, this is, this is business 101. <laughs> so, you know, we, we had great leads come in for the event. We had an amazing event and we started to have follow-ups. And I'm like, all right, what's another five or 10 emails I can send to all these people who joined to tell them more about what we do and everything? And how do I tie it in with artificial intelligence, which is exactly what I'm talking about now. And I was like, well, 
I could sit here and I could write all these emails. I could sit here and I could clip all the videos. I could sit here and I could come up with subject lines and catchy stuff. I was like, but wait, I sell the, the possibilities with artificial intelligence. I, I, I preach that. I'm, I, no one's an expert at AI yet, but I'd like to think I've got my shit together. So I was like, I'm going to make AI, I'm going to make AI do it and I'm going to document it and I'm going to show people how I do it. So what did I do? I got creative and I, I uploaded the clip to an AI processing tool and I said, give me a transcript, give me a summary, give me keywords, give me key takeaways and give me quotes. And then I put the clip into another service that clipped it out in video and did captions and did different placements and everything else, put it all together, trained ChatGPT on exactly everything that was happened in that exact event in that specific clip. And then I said, write me write me an email sequence about this and talk about the key takeaways, oh, give yeah. me subject line ideas, everything else. And I had AI write the entire funnel for me and I sent it. And at the bottom of it, I said, by the way, if you're still reading this far down, AI did hundred percent of this work. If you want to learn how to do it, click this link and I'll show you. Oh my God, that's so smart. <laughs> and I've already had a sale and I just sent it a couple hours ago. So my, my point is, yes, you absolutely, everybody's creative in their own way tech people tend to get like the short end of the stick when it comes to that. Cause you, you get this visual of, you know, a guy in a hoodie sitting in front of a keyboard, you know, in front of a dark screen. And yeah, that, that does happen, but we only get creative by opening ourselves up to what is possible. And when, when we can be the example of what is possible, we inspire more people who aren't identifying as tech people to do it their own way. So my, my way of being creative is super techie. But that's also how I can inspire others to do it as well. Somebody who's listening right now could say, wow, that's cool. I didn't know I could take a transcript and then train AI what it is and then have them help me with an email. If that helps one person, I've won. Yeah. So now I'm like, how do I make that one to 10 and 10 to 100 and 100 to 100,000? And how do I scale that? That's my way of being creative is, is being the example by using it and talking about it. And again, I gave myself more space to do it. So now I can really create content and I can share that in a way that really, that helps me, that, that helps me really feel that I'm, I'm truly changing somebody's business trajectory. That's what lights me up. Yeah. Well, cause these, like these AI tools are all great productivity tools, right? Like I've used the chat GPT a couple of times and been like, can you write me a blog about blah, blah, blah. And what's interesting is like, yeah, it spits it out and you might have to edit it, but man, does that make it so much faster? Especially if you already have some ideas of what you want to include, you see what it outputs, you make some edits to it. You include things on top that weren't included that you think are really relevant for right now. And I don't know, it just makes the whole process so much faster. It does. And we are just at the, like, you could barely see this technology off in the distance in terms of like how far it has to come, you know, and the, the, the law of innovation of technology where, you know, it starts off with the very, the very early majority, and then you get the, you get the mid majority and the late majority and then the laggards, you know, what, what we're looking at here is like, we're, we're so at the beginning of that that cusp and that curve. It's not even at like the early adopters phase. Like nope, yeah. hardly anybody has even adopted it. And you know, it's coming out as like one of the biggest things that's available to us since the personal computer. One of them, I think Bill Gates was quoted. I'm going to botch the quote of something like it's 
the most important, if not one of the most important technology, technological advances, you know, in our lifetime. And this is from the man who brought us the personal computer. We have to pay attention to this. Yeah. We have to. Like yeah. there, there is no, there's no ignoring it, right? You hear about NFTs and crypto and everything. And I've I've been an advocate and I've been part of that as well. And believe me, I I buy crypto. I've I had dollar cost average and I I drive Val crazy with, you know, where's this money going over here? And what's I'm like, just just trust me. Like I can figure it out. <laughs> but if we don't lean into what's in front of us and truly believe that it can alter our life for the better, like we're going to fall behind. And for example, with your chat GPT example, that is from everything I've heard from everybody I've helped, that is the first thing that everybody goes to. Yeah. What's the longest time commitment that AI, I think AI could do for me that I don't have to do myself? It's write a damn blog post. Nobody wants to spend a day writing a blog post unless you're a trained copywriter or an editor or something, because then that, that brings you joy. I, I preach SEO and I've taught it for years and I still won't sit there and write a whole blog post myself. I repurpose like crazy, right? <laughs> but the the key is the better you get at asking AI questions, the better output you're going to get, right? And that's yeah. that's considered the prompt. When you master the prompts, which you tell AI, then you can get a better output. And it's no different than this conversation. If we just met for the first time and I'm like, hey, Janet, I hear that you coach, uh, coach me. You can be like, all right, Jim, we need to, let, let, let's unpack that for a hot minute. Like, what, what, <laughs> talk to me about what you do. Like, give me a little <laughs> bit more information. You want to sell more? Who are you selling to? This isn't hard <laughs> stuff, right? So rather than just saying, write me a blog post, you actually, you get it into the mindset of exactly what you want the output. You say, act as an expert copywriter that has a specialty mm. in marketing. Think about the person who's going to be reading this as an avid consumer of X content, write me a 2000 word blog post with accurate titles, make it researched, validate your information with three independent sources, uh, separate the contextual areas based off of what you come up with, make sure each paragraph has at least four sentences or more, link out to your sources and talk about these different things. That's not hard for us to type into the prompt because we're we're actively brain dumping, getting everything out of our head that we would do anyways. But the difference is from write me a blog post about something to now I actually understand what the output's going to be. Your mind will be blown at how much better that output is because it's no different than if you asked me to write it for you and I had all of that information. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is like you touched on a really key point because one of the things that I think people need to be aware of and concerned about is one of the statements that you just said, include your references. Because when I did it, when I played with it, um, I was like, oh, but I don't know where this information came from. So like how, what if someone asks me, how do I know if it's reliable? And like, Am I um, plagiarizing anyone? I don't know, right? So it's important, you're right, to like add in those key identifiers so that you also get that information as well. I love that. I'm going to try that out. Yeah, so you absolutely should. And and the, the the most important thing to realize here is that AI is an amalgamation of all of the internet's data that it has available to it. So of course, there's going to be plagiarism. Like yeah. it, it's taking bits and pieces of everything and it's stitching it together. 
in no circumstances do I condone taking that blog post, copying and pasting it and publishing it on your blog. Yeah. Don't do that. If everybody's listening, don't do that. That's bad. <laughs> That's no different than going to a competitor's website, copying their blog, changing the title and putting it on yours. There is no difference to that. The difference here is that it's helping you not paint from a blank canvas for the first time. Yeah. We have this innate ability to have a jump start. And right now it's free, like yeah. free. I mean, you could pay for it. Like I, I pay 20 bucks a month, so I don't get rate limited and all that, but it's free. So like, why aren't you using it is a question you have to ask yourself. And it's, this isn't hard stuff. YouTube University has more videos than you can ever consume. Hell, I, I kick out a reel and stuff like that almost every day teaching what I know about prompts. But the whole point is, if you're not willing to try it, yeah. And just take that little extra step to give yourself the competitive advantage, you will fall behind because it is advancing so fast. In fact, I'm probably going to have to re-explain this entire thing based off of how fast it evolves when we're done recording this podcast because it evolves that fast. <laughs> like, that, that's how real this evolution is happening. So if you're not, I'm not trying to fear monger and I don't want you to be scared. I want you to be powered. I want this to be an opportunity where you can look back two years from now and be like, damn, I'm really glad I just, I spent that afternoon on a Saturday and I just, I read more on it and I learned about it and, and I've been experimenting with it and trying it and look at all this money I've saved. Look at all this, this, this reclamation of time. I didn't have to sit yeah. there and write all this stuff. It's helping me get by more. And you don't have to pay payroll taxes on this person. You don't have to offer them paid time off. <laughs> it is, there's no upward advancement for AI. It's, it's a, true. It's, it's a utility true. that can add a lot of value to your life if you're willing to try it. Yeah. And I think you touched on something else, um, which is kind of funny because ironically, I saw a cartoon about it this morning and the cartoon, I'm not going to describe it all, but I'll send it to you later. But Please, yeah. basically it was talking about how um, like AI has just gotten here. How can anyone really be an expert? And you already did that disclaimer. Like I'm not an expert, but I'm, yeah, you're in a good position because you're already technology based. So it should be easier and faster for you to pick up certain things because some of the stuff you'd be involved in coding it. Right. But there are people out there that will claim to be experts. And I kind of went through this when social media first started, like I had my e-commerce business you want to hire a social media expert to do all your social media for you. And, you know, in the beginning, it was actually not worth hiring someone because no one was really an expert, right? But I think with AI, because there are so many tools that are out there, you could actually become an expert in a specific set of tools, probably quite quickly, if you're an avid user. I call myself an experimenter. So I am not um, an expert, but I am an experimenter. <laughs> and, and I think that's the biggest thing, especially when you're a small business owner is experimenting, but knowing where to experiment because you can like, like right now, how many AI tools do you think there are? Do you know how many? I, I can't keep up. In fact, I, I post a carousel of five new ones every single day on my Instagram as I find them to share them with the world. Yeah. And that's still not enough. 
that's how fast it's evolving, and, which is and, why you're absolutely right. There, there, there is no expertise in a technology that hasn't even started to evolve yet. It's just coming alive. And like you are paying attention to it, like you're paying super attention right. to it, right? right? So it's interesting because someone like me who I'm like, oh, I'm kind of paying attention to it. I see one or two here or there, but you're like, no, they're like coming fast and furious. So I do think there is space for someone to be like, because listen, like anything, there's going to be good AI tools and not so good AI tools. Yeah. And I'm really glad you bring it up that way, Janet. And my my hot take on this is not good is definitely relative to the expectation, right? Mm. And and it's it's because AI is it, AI is like a construct. It, it's it's an abstract way of working with data. And like what a lot of people ask me, like, how do you explain AI? I'm like, well, you, you can't. It's it's can you explain the brain? Um, maybe maybe some people can, but God help you if you're not asleep by the time you try to understand the the, the ways that ways it works. But AI is a way of having information and manipulating it in a way that has a desired outcome is the way that I like to present it. And even that is open for interpretation. But that's also not an actionable thing. Right? Yeah. Like you have a sign behind you. Like if you're a sign maker, I'm like, well, making a sign is you literally have a sign at the end of the day and you can read the sign and everybody's happy. AI is such a... It's 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 an idea that can be construed in different ways based off of what you want the output to be. So, the same AI that works with ChatGPT, in essence, is the same AI that gives you algorithmic recommendations for your Netflix account. It's the same AI hmm. that Zoom uses to figure out how much compression should it put on the video so the video stays up to date. Like. Yes, that could be, that might be an oversimplified way of thinking about it, but maybe that's sometimes what we need is, is we need to think about AI as an advancement at a rapid rate to give you a desired output easier, faster, and in a way that you can have control over it. And because of the advancements of that, these microservices are popping up all the time. This service can do this one thing really well. This service can do these two things really well. They're not trying to be an all-in-one. ChatGPT yeah. also doesn't like produce video. Um, and the the image creation services don't necessarily have conversational language, you know, back and forth. But when you find ways that you can be open to all of them and and say, you know what, I'm a graphic designer and I need to just I, I need to double down on my workflow. I want to get more output. For less cost, I thought I needed to hire five people. Maybe now I need one. Like all of those things just add up for small businesses. Where let's be honest, right now, like we just talked about this uh, right yeah. before we were doing the show, is every business owner I know right now is find, trying to find ways to cut their costs, reduce their overhead, hold on to that precious money that they actually have, and try to do more with it. Well, are you telling me that you want to have a professionally trained copywriter sit there and do all the grunt work to write one article? when you actually could have them be a better editor and you can have AI just get it a little bit faster. Like there, there's, there's good feeling decisions about like holding on to what works. And yeah. There's good business decisions. I challenge everybody to make good business decisions and find ways to iterate and evolve their life based off of now what you have at your disposal. 
Yeah. And I think, I think you raise a good point too, because even as a small business owner, like if I owned a copyright business, I need to figure out how I'm going to evolve. So I still have clients, right? So it could be that I'm offering different types of services based on what I can then do with um, AI in order to give more value to my client. Of course, that that's right. exactly what I just did when I mentioned that I needed to downsize one of my companies. At one point, I had 13 copywriters on my team and we were kicking out a lot of original content. Now, granted, I love every single one of those human beings, but again, there's feel good decisions and then there's good decisions as a business owner. And the good, right decision, as hard as this is for me to say, was to embrace what I teach which is yeah. we have to look at what's available to us, we have to evolve, and we have to make sure that we're, we're keeping up and leading the charge. So I did let go of a lot of my copywriters, but the ones that wanted to stick around turned into editors and the ones that are leading that, that, that charge. And I even got feedback from a lot of them that said, you know, as much as I am gonna miss writing copy, you know, before you, Jim, um, one specific person in, in particular, I'm thinking of the message that he sent me, he's just like, this is actually the wake of a call that I needed to make sure that I am leveling up as yeah. a human too. And that meant so much to me. He didn't have to share that with me. He, he just didn't, but he did. And that, that showed me that it's, you're absolutely right. It's not just about copy. It's about the evolution of graphics. It's about the evolution yeah. of voice, of song, of, I mean, <laughs> Again, there's new service coming out every day. The, there, I just saw a meme account that was like, we just had Kanye cover all of these classic rap songs. And it's, it's basically, they just took the instrumental and they typed out the song and they had AI in Kanye's voice do the rap. And I would blow your mind if I could show you how easy that was. We could do it by the time we finished this episode. So that's how fast it's all happening. Yeah. But again, if if you just try if you're willing to think about what that could be for your business i don't want to drive this into the ground i just want to drive it home is that's where it gets exciting and, and is, that's it, what i love teaching it is exciting um i always love innovation like that's why i started out in e-learning when it first began again and i went into e-commerce right the challenge is with any new innovation there are people that do things for good and then there are people that don't do things for good. <laughs> and I think like, how are people going to know? Like one of the things that I'm finding, I'm on TikTok. I love TikTok, by the way. And um, one of the things that I find fascinating is like some people go on there and they'll, they're doing something that's obviously a joke. Not everybody gets that it's a joke. And there's instances where you do see, like you're giving the example of someone using Kanye's voice and his music on whatever. And there's examples of like, even our political world leaders voices being used on something and people think it's real. They think it's real. And so I'm wondering like, how do we teach people to be more discerning about what's real and what's not real when it comes to the implementation of AI? Because that's going to be a need, not only for adults, but also for adolescents and teenagers in particular. Yeah. And I don't have the answer for that. And it's what? simply because I don't, because guess what? I'm not an expert, <laughs> right? But that's the thing is in an evolving technology, even experts don't have all the answers. 
Yeah. Right. And and let's let's actually use let's use history to help us understand the importance of that. You remember when? Well, I'm, I'm trying to think of, a, of an individual case, but I'm I'm thinking of themes that are coming up in the past. There, the whole concept of misinformation mm-hmm. on the web is yeah. is rampant. And what did Meta and what did Twitter and and what did all these sites need to do in order to help? I'm not even going to say circumvent it, but but to label it. Like they started labeling it. We believe, based off of independent fact checkers and things like that, that this information is false. Yeah, that's up for a lot of debate, right? But at the end of the day, it's helping you be more aware by using technology more creatively. Yeah, and here's the thing with the blog posts that like my 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 boutique agency now is doing where we still put out really good long form content you better believe we're using ai as a as a piece of it and we have we sometimes we will do this in fact in the early days when we were early days was a couple months ago in the early days of the of the of the refresh we were doing <laughs> um we some of our clients that were willing to kind of go through this ai thing with us we we made them part of the process and we said we're gonna we're gonna do double the work. We're gonna write it traditionally with a trained editor, a trained copywriter, our same proofing process, everything we do, and we're gonna duplicate and we're gonna do the exact same article. We're gonna do it with AI. And if you're willing, I'm gonna send you both final outputs and try to tell us which one was AI. Every single test we did, they came back and they're like, I don't know. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you that this one was or this one wasn't. So at the end of the day. It's what we do with it that matters, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There's, like I said before, I do not condone going on ChatGPT and saying, <laughs> write me a blog post, copying and pasting it and hit publish. That will get you crushed by Google. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> but if it gets you 80% of the way there, great. You know, yeah. like, like I just said, I had ChatGPT put this whole email sequence together and everything. I copied, pasted it, put it into the email system. And I didn't just hit send. I, I made it my own, but it produced all that output for me and it got me to hit go. So rather than sitting there in an action and not doing what I wanted to do, I had it do it for me and I got it to that point where I was ready. So I feel like if we can take examples like that and we can find ways to to, to do it better. You know, recently, uh, Elon and a bunch of uh, massive CEOs of companies, and there's over a thousand, they put out an open letter asking OpenAI and these these big these big companies that are pioneering it not to stop development of AI but to pause it so we can figure out ethics and an understanding of exactly what goes into it and that's an important conversation to have because it will get out of hand and I am an advocate for that I do not want it to stop but I want it to do it for the right reason I don't want traditional artists to just get destroyed because now anybody can create graphics but at the same time if I'm going to use AI to create graphics for my presentations or whatever, I will happily badge it as this was created by AI. I don't, I don't care. I, like I'm, I'm happy to promote the technology. In fact, for the course that I'm running, all the graphics are created by AI, and I share the prompts that I use to create the graphics. Again, I'm, oh, that's I'm, cool. I'm teaching what I use. So it's kind of like when Creative Commons came out. You know, you can use this with with attribution. Well, so you badge it CC attribution given right because you're 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 giving a nod to the to the original artist you're not saying you're not taking credit for it you're just using it and i i feel like it's going to be a combination of that more than ever 
because it's very hard to detect AI-driven type of things. And that's why you, you still have to check for plagiarism and all that and still make it your own. But it, it will get scary and it will get very dark. I, I, I can see it happening, but it's what we do with it that matters. And, and that's why I'm trying to find ways to show how we can enrich our lives, not just steal other people's stuff, because there's no room for that. This, this is an opportunity to enrich our lives, to reclaim time into our life and business and, and to help us thrive. I don't want to see it go to a dark place, which is why this is my mark on the tech. I'm trying to jump in and I'm trying to show there's better things we can do with it. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I think we need good leaders in the space, not only to show people how to use it for good, but also um, hopefully be able to quickly identify when the tech is not being used for good in order to come up with solutions to either eliminate that particular type of use or make people aware of that type of use, right? And it's probably gonna be a combination of both. It's, it's similar to why Google won the search engine competitions you know, over the years is because they kept investing and in iterating on that algorithm. So at one point, there was so many spammy, you know, buy this fake Rolex, there's this porn site, there's this, you know, all this crap. And, and it was flooding and just, it was compounding and it was clouding the good work that people were doing. Kind of the same. But yeah. when they rolled out a, a massive broad core algorithm update, it wiped a lot of that off the face of the web because nobody was going to it anymore. And it was their willingness to evolve it in the right way for the right reason and yeah. get a lot of crap about it in the meantime. And that's what I don't know if these tech companies are ready for is, wow, you just produced a really cool thing. You're about to get reamed by the public because of how scary this is, but it's what we do with it that matters. And that's, I think, what's going to be the big differentiator. Um, I'm excited to see which companies take that stance and go further with it and say, we're doing this for good. I think we're gonna see an evolution of certified B Corps. We're gonna see some kind of an AI consortium formed. You know, this is just me, yeah. you know, prophesying about, you know, what's what's coming with AI. But the same way that there were, there were, uh, you know, think of like, um, you know, same, like I'm, I'm a certified B Corp founder. One of my last startups is that I'm looking to be a, a two-time B Corp founder because I care. And it's the same reason that you've got the, um, I'm failing to think of the names right now, but like there's the fair trade organization for coffee. Yeah. There's, there's all of these different, um, there's all of these different nonprofits that lead this movement that helps to make sure that the supply chain and everything are there. I feel like there's going to be one of those for a lot of AI stuff. It's going to be the, the right usage of the tech at the right time for the right person. And that I think is a great business opportunity. If it hasn't been done yet, there's a free idea for anybody who wants to jump in on it <laughs> and I'll be your first subscriber. <laughs> but what we do with what's in front of us next is what's going to matter. And um, I'm excited for the day when this can be part of my kids daily life, knowing that it's going to reclaim time for them and help them with so much more. That, that's going to be a really exciting day. Yeah. And I think um, like, listen, there's going to be so many startups come out in this space. Like there's so many opportunities, right? And I know you love startups. So, so what do you love the most about startups? I love the culture uh, and, and the mindset of what goes into a startup. There, 
you know, as part of the mastermind that I teach um, with with Fast Foundations, we we serve early stage entrepreneurs. So these are entrepreneurs that are just getting started. They're they just made their first few sales to maybe they're making their first hundred or so grand a year, and they're really trying to get past that half a million and maybe that million mark because that's when it comes with scaling and yeah. hiring and delegation and SOPs and all that crap, right? But that's what it takes, and. I always end up saying one of these very similar themes, which is like, if I'm, if I like picture I'm in the room, holding the mic, everybody's around. And I just, I always love pouring into people at this stage. And I'm like, you guys take a minute and just think about how exciting this time of life is for you right now. All you have is upside. You have minimal to no debt. You have minimal to no team that you have to, you know, Brought around and act like you know what you're doing. You, you, you get to style flex, you know, like none of us know what we're doing. Can we just be honest for a minute? You, know, you, you get to you get to adjust, you get to to see what's coming in the industry, and you get to jump on it if you want to. You have the flexibility to get on a plane and go work from anywhere. Like this is that's the moment that that's the most exciting thing about starting a new business. And that's why I've done so many of them. And I'm I'm proud of the ones that I closed because. I didn't lose. I learned. I, yeah. I learned what I didn't want to do. I learned what didn't, it was too early for the market. It was too late for the market. It didn't make sense. And I don't want to die with any regrets. So I don't mind going into some debt and failing and learning from it. Because if I didn't, I would, I would stew on that for the rest of my life. It's just the way my brain works. Yeah. So where I can truly give it my all and show up and do it in a place that makes sense for me. I don't have it all figured out, but at least I've learned some life lessons along the way. And every time I get into something new, I get that energy again. I get that, I, that there's that vibe. And I'm not talking like San Francisco kombucha keg and ping pong <laughs> table. Like, I, yes, I had WeWork spaces in the past and those were some fun days. And I, you know, I did that, all the co-working space stuff, but we're even just in a different time now in 2023 where Everybody does want to work from home. It's a different culture and it, it's a different feel. And there's something about that energy that's just intoxicating. And I love it. I don't need it all the time, but I, I love getting it and really embracing it and then figuring out how I can evolve from it. And I, I think it's that feeling that keeps drawing me back to startup culture. And don't get me wrong. I, I need to pay my mortgage and you know cover my investments and things like that. But at the end of the day, that fires me up to keep going. And, and that's what does it for me about startups is I just, I just get this, this feeling that anything's possible. Yeah. And then I get the reality check that it's because it is. And we're creating the future that we want. We just have to care enough. And I care about it. And I also happen to be a tech guy. So it vibes perfectly with the startup culture. And that's what's always kept me going with it. Yeah, it's interesting because the startup culture, the energy is different, the input and the output are different. And it really like attracts people that just want to do their best, like, they want to show up every day and be able to contribute to this company that has a vision that they are really, really passionate about. And it's a different way of working. That's for sure. It's, and I, I love it too. Like, don't get me wrong. I love it too. Like some of my best experiences have been working at startups um, just for that very reason. But when we're talking about um, startups, 
I'm sure you've had this happen. <laughs> what is like, you talked about a lot of the lessons that you've learned. What do you think is like the biggest lesson that you've learned where you've kind of been like, uh-oh, really shouldn't have gone down that path or really shouldn't have done that or, okay, I'm never going to do that again. Um, is there anyone that kind of jumps out to you? And, and listen, you already mentioned some things earlier about like having a business is too early for the market. I've done that too. Or having a business and you're like a little bit late. Um, it could be along those lessons as well. So what do you think is the biggest lesson that you've kind of learned in your journey? We, we're getting to the really good questions right now. I like this. This is this is stretching me, Janet. Okay. So first of all, um, we, we did talk about that. It's it's the right idea at the wrong time. That's so very, very important. And there's no way to know until you try it. But being willing to recognize it and adapt is is really key. I've I've launched and been part of a lot of startups that I truly do believe it was the right idea, but it truly was the wrong time. A lot of times we think, well, we could be the first market. Yeah, but if there's no damn market, then there's no, <laughs> there's no company, there's no product. Like, <laughs> it's I, true. I don't, know, I don't know how else to say it, right? So the, I, I think my answer to that comes down to something that's a little bit more binary, but it's really important, which is, and I actually got this from, um, did you ever watch the show Billions? No. Okay. If anybody here is listening, if they watch the show Billions, I fucking love that show. Uh, I think it was HBO. I can't remember. It, Succession was on HBO. I forget, I forget what it was on. But Billions was this awesome show that was about like a, a, a day trader that just moved up into the ranks and just billions and billions of dollars. I think at one point in the show, he, he became a... Um, they called him a DECA, which is, you know, he hit the 10 billion mark, like wow. ungodly amount of money, right? And there's a lot of really good business lessons that came out of the, the writing that went into that show. Of course, it's fake. But there was the scene where this guy was meeting with this investor. I think it was billions. It might have been succession, come to think of it. Anyways, doesn't matter what the show is. Matters about the principle. The screenwriting was awesome. And he's meeting with this investor that's about to acquire the company. He's like, and he's talking to this investor and I'm going to botch this, but he says something like, you know, you've done this before. You're worth all this money. What's the secret sauce? And he says something to the tune of preparation, capital and execution, but in that order. And I was just like, oh, fascinating. Like, yeah, I mean, we know that stuff, but being prepared before you think about the finances, having the finances before you execute and then executing with those done. And I know there's the whole like ready, fire, aim mindset. You know, there's the take messy action. Like there, there's all of these different trains of thought, but the single biggest thing that has held me back from my dreams has always been capital. Mm. I don't come from a trust fund. I don't, I don't just have millions of dollars of expendable money. Even I won't name him, but one of my mentors who is very wealthy, his biggest financial fear, he said this publicly at our, at, our, at our mastermind when we had him speak, is not having enough capital to take advantage of the opportunities that are in front of him. Even though he actively invests in at least five startups every single year, and he's constantly moving money around. And 
realistically, I mentioned I just downsized one of my businesses. It's because it was harder to sell than I expected, and it was harder to weather the storm. Yeah. So, so many startups, it doesn't matter if you're a startup or a coach, so many businesses fail because they just run out of money. You, yeah. you, you, you have to know your numbers. You have to. So if you're not looking at your P&L, if you're not studying and understanding your balance sheet, if, if you think you don't need it, you couldn't be more wrong. And I, I, would, I welcome somebody to challenge me on that because of everything I've ever done. If I could have gone back and done one thing better, it would have been to be better with my numbers earlier and have more of a cushion than I thought I needed, even when I already thought I had it. Right. That's and actually I truly, I truly believe that it's, it's, it's from that show, like the way that just hit me, the way that it was presented is preparation, having the finances ready for it, and then executing. It doesn't mean you have to spend three years preparing. It doesn't mean you have to have $20 million available to you to do something. It just means you got to be ready and you have to be financially solid. So that way you can just go. Because otherwise, you're, you're, you're playing a very, very risky game, especially if you've got employees on the line, especially if you don't know how you're going to make your own paycheck. You want to pay yourself. You want to enjoy life. You, you want to show up. I think yeah. that's the biggest lesson that I've learned is you've got to feel good about those things or you need to be working on the plan towards getting there, building it along the way, but knowing that that's your risk. And that's where I am right now. I, I, I have money in the bank, but is it enough to accomplish my dream? Hell no. So I'm, I'm actively building that, but I'm very, very aware of it. And I'm studying those numbers and I'm meticulously cutting things here and removing things here. And that's stretching my runway out to give me more time so I can give myself the space so I can go get it. Yeah, I think that's a great nugget of information, especially the way you articulated it. I like how you explained it. Um, like we could talk for hours. <laughs> I feel like yeah. I have so many more questions. Is this going to be a two-part episode? I don't even know how long we've been talking about. I have like so many more questions for you. Your but... listeners have to be bored out of their mind listening to me at this point, but no, <laughs> I no, hope no. this is helpful. <laughs> no, totally helpful. And like, there are so many other like pathways we could have gone down, but I'm aware of your time. I know you're super busy. I do have one final question that I ask everyone. And um, I actually heard it. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with Tim Ferriss. He asked this mm -hmm. question. I love this question. So I ask everyone. Um, if you had a billboard, you're in LA. So if you had like the biggest billboard in LA, what would you want to be on the billboard? What message would you want everyone to remember? I think the message that I would want up there would be two words and it would just say, give more. Because it could be anything. It could be giving a little bit of your time. It could be opening the door for the person next to you when you know you walk in first. It could be volunteering. It could be rescuing a dog. It could be truly joining a nonprofit and finding ways that you can support the things that matter to you. Or it could be giving in the collection plate, you know, for for you know whatever your faith is, and just contributing towards what you believe means the most to you. And I. I love giving a lot of what I have because I did grow up in service, but don't get me wrong. I love receiving too, but at the end of the day, you always get more when you give without expectation. And 
giving without expectation is something that Gary Vee taught me by a tweet that he put out probably 10 years ago. I just, I remember seeing it one day. It was just like, I remember he writes, he wrote something like, what would it feel like if you gave without expectation? And ever since I saw that, I was like, God, that's so true. Like we get caught up in this world of reciprocity and it's got to work for me and you and all that. But, you know, like we met casually over being in an event that was about being your best self. And we, we're just now recording this podcast. We said 2018, 2019, something like 2018, 2018. <laughs> but you offered for me to come here and I graciously accepted and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for it. And we're going to find ways to pay it forward. Um, but unless we prioritize it, it doesn't happen. So I, I, I want people to give more and it could be as simple as the change that you have in your pocket, if it's monetary, or it could be as big as your heart, but the more that we give, the more everybody receives. I, I think that would be it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I think you're right. Like nowadays there's like, people have so many expectations for everything. And one of the things I struggle with is when I see when someone makes a mistake and someone else is so angry about the, about it and the person apologizes for it but the angry person won't see the apology won't accept the apology and just continues to be angry and it's because they had this unrealistic expectation but you know that person's human and as humans we all make mistakes and you know i think we need to be a little bit more forgiving when someone has made a mistake. And so I would say that's even giving in a way too, is like mm -hmm. being, being- Giving some grace. Yeah, know? yeah, perfect. That's a great way that to put that. Um, so Jim, if people want to follow you, find out more, um, where should they go? What's the best way for them to follow you or connect with you? Uh, thanks for asking. Yeah, my- my agency where we support people, if, if you're an entrepreneur looking to, to just grow with, with the power of SEO and long form copy and things like that is Carter and Custer. RT Custer is my, my business partner's name, carterandcuster.com. Um, and we just specialize in these kinds of these kind of things. Um, we talked about the mastermind and our, our events company. So if you're an early stage entrepreneur and you're looking to grow there, um, our mastermind is always open for applications. You meet with us, we, we talk about it. That business company is called fastfoundations.com. And we also have a podcast and I show up there and I teach tech and I love, I love leading from the heart there and giving away everything I've got for free there because that's a lot of fun. Um, otherwise, uh, just hit me up on any social. I'm at causehacker.com. If you ever heard the term growth hacker, again, I was up in the Bay Area one day. I saw a sign that says this is the startup land, start something, right? And I was like, you know, I'm kind of tired of being a growth hacker. I'm tired of chasing the money. So I was like, I'm going to do it for a little bit of a positive social change. So I just came up with the idea of being a cause hacker. And now everybody knows me as the cause hacker. Uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's the story of that. So you can find me. Instagram is kind of the preferred, you know, just DM platform there. Um, I post about AI all the time. I've always got something fun going on. Uh, shoot me a DM there. And um, I'd love to help find ways that I can help you out in your business. It'd be great to have a conversation. 
Perfect. Um, thank you so much for your time today, Jim. I loved our conversation and we might need a part two. Like, I'm not kidding. We'll, we'll talk it. after this for sure. Uh, but thank you to everyone for listening. And I hope you got one or maybe three little nuggets out of this conversation today. And if you want to learn more about JanetLewis.com, just head to the website. Uh, there's always lots of free content that I'm giving away too. So that's what we do. We like to give. <laughs> So thank you so much and have a great day.